Hello, and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, April 22nd, 2021, otherwise known as National Jelly Bean Day. You guys have a favorite jelly bean flavor? Pear. Pear, pear's a good one. That is a, any of the fruity ones are pretty nice. Like them Shout out to all the pears. Least yeah. favorites, well, not counting like bean boozled or whatever, but like of regular flavors, the licorice, not a fan. Licorice, pretty trash. I mean, if you're going Jelly Bellies, they got so many exotic flavors that a lot of them are just there to, to kind of be right. Just kind of be different. No, we all know what the one on Jelly Bellies would be root beer. Mm. I'm not a huge root beer guy, though. I will say, a little spicy for my palate. No, not really. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, what's uh, you know what the most polarizing flavor is? Obviously, right? It's the licorice, right? Oh no, the buttered popcorn. It's either love it or hate it. Oh yeah, it. I love it. I love it. I'm a buttered popcorn no, man. No, you do. You give me a bucket full of it and send me to a movie. Trash. That's terrible. Yeah, trash. trash. All, right. trash. All, right. All right, enough making fun of me. Oh, you guys. hang on. Can I can what? I take the floor really quick? Go for it. I need to make a huge apology to all of our <laughs> listeners who took Anybody any who of my money? betting advice. Wow, I have. I mean, I was so wrong. I don't even have. A, Anything to say, but my bad on that one. So you guys, I lost a little bit of money to Ben. I lost a little bit of money on Bovada, but hopefully, no one really took my betting advice too much because Ben Askren and Jake Paul fought, and Ben Askren did what he does best: gets knocked out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So it was a fun night. the The actual Triller event was which was this big combination of old school rappers like Snoop Dogg and Ice T to some mediocre boxing, to new artists like Justin Bieber and Doja Cat. And finally, it kind of concluded with the Jake Paul and Ben Askren fight. A lot of it seemed longer than it should have been. It was really weird paced. And definitely you could tell they were fixing leaks as they were happening, right? Mm. So Oscar De La Hoya gets high and drunk. So they've got to get him out because he was one of the commentators for the fights. So they get him out and bring in Snoop Dogg, who just holds it down. He's a G and then brings in other folk and they were able to make a cool event. But they were definitely dealing with some problems as it was happening. But anyway, shout out Jake Paul. Congratulations. I'm excited to see who he fights next. He leveled up in competition and starched him. No problem whatsoever. He looked buff and tough. So... (laughs) There you go. That was, I don't know where that came from. I can't Buff believe I said tough. it. Buff and tough. That's your new nickname now, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's still cringy, stickers. but man, he, his boxing is doing it's okay. Not as cringy as buff and tough. Let me tell you that. All right. Back to more <laughs> sort of I mean, I thought about it before I said it. I thought it'd be funny. Hey, guys. Sorry, we had a little technical difficulty, but we're back. Where were we? I think we're talking about what everybody's working on. Mike, oh, yeah, what that seems you like doing? a good place to jump into. Mike? I took on a project for the for the new house. Ooh. I installed a multi-zone mini split split AC unit. Oh yeah, I, ha- I saw you having trouble taking the old one out, right? Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> tough getting the old window unit out of the wall because it wasn't in a window. They had cut a hole into the side of the house and really kind of put it wedged it in there. Now wait a minute. Since last time we talked, because it's been like I don't know, a couple two weeks. weeks or something, yeah. Did had you even built the couch last time we talked? I don't think that we did. I think that I had started to let maybe? y'all know what the plan was because right. I remember talking about simple cushions. Right. So we had to have kind of talked about the sofa I was making and the sofa Ben was making. But what do you think, man? Now that it's come out, how how did the video look? 
Did you see the Bro, video? Ikea is shaking in their boots. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as soon as the cost of two by fours come down, I feel like <laughs> a lot over. of people are going to build over. this sofa. They're just lucky they got this Where'd pandemic to ride out. For Mike? They were seven bucks, basically. What's normal? Four? 350. Okay, high, so it's a little over 350. Double. Basically. I think it's the same with plywood right now. I saw a screenshot in my phone from April of last year. Ready out of pine, $35 a sheet. I look at Wobi Ben Paik's Instagram, mm-hmm. and he's looking at $85 mm. ACX plywood, like the construction A-side, C-side stuff. Wow. Yeah, that's like the cost of Baltic Birch in, you know, 2018 prices or whatever, 2000, early 2020 prices. Wild. Yeah. It, it, it made me actually look into importing the bamboo plywood since I've been working so much with it, and we'd have to get a lot of scale but if you do have scale for it, cutting board companies are getting it for about $45 a sheet wholesale. But they're buying probably a thousand sheets at a time. It's mm. a lot so of cutting is, boards. It is possible to get it because it's a different supply chain, same shipping lines, but different sort of production chain than forestry products since it's basically a grass. So. Yeah, these uh these plywood jokes aren't are You know what's weird though? It's like and you know, we we kind of covered this before and I actually seen a whole bunch of people on YouTube doing like <laughs> wood price videos. Like uh nice. Steve Ramsey did one, a couple other people I follow have been doing them. And they missed a few things. They kind of got some of the supply chain things and some of the restrictions for the 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 amount of people that can work in a facility and all that. What they kind of missed was the forest fires on the West Coast this year and how bad they were. And then also, there's a global shortage of shipping containers. So because supply chains have been sort of rerouted and disrupted, it's made the shipping... It's not that people are shipping more stuff, but stuff is shipping in a different pattern than what it usually is, which means they couldn't rely on previous pattern efficiencies to do that, which means there's a shortage of containers, which is slowing everything down. And then a little bit of an occasional ship jam in the Suez Canal doesn't help at all either. So, you know, obviously then like everybody's talked about it, but there is this kind of like perfect storm of these four, five, whatever factors that all... come together but like really the then the main ones that everybody's focusing on other than the forest fires are all relatively quickly repairable whereas like the forest fire is going to have a long-term effect because that's inventory years and decades from now that's gone right but the the, the catalyst on top of it is we've increased our money supply dramatically over the last few years so if you look at like the entire money supply in the history of the U.S. and then how much we've added in the last couple of years, it's a lot. And the anticipation of inflation is, think, is what's might be one of the indicators there or one of the reasons why the prices don't come down as much. So mm. inflation doesn't always happen unilaterally across everything. It doesn't mean that your iPad uh, or your, your iPhone goes up 20% and plywood goes up 20%. It could mean housing prices go up, construction materials go up, and your iPhone price only goes up 10%. Your subscriptions to Netflix only goes up 10%. And then as sort of housing and construction materials, in this case, sort of set the new high watermark, and those things cost more, then people have to sell more iPhones and sell more of these other things to kind of catch up to balance it all out. So 
it might come down a bit, but I wouldn't plan on construction prices coming down all the way back to where they were before. I literally just got a notification yesterday when I turned on Disney Plus that said it's going up from six ninety nine to seven ninety nine. So you go point in case inflation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Disney Plus effect. So it it won't always be this high, but it, it's like Chris, you remember when there was like gas or just yeah. like you know turbulence in the Middle East, and then gas prices went over two dollars, and then they like went back down for a little bit, but then they got creeped right back up over two dollars like six months later. Yeah. Okay. So I'm bad. That like I don't even like I literally just filled up with gas yesterday, and I don't remember what it was. But like I remember not that it's a ridge line filler up. <laughs> I know. Hey. I got Honda money. Um, Yeah, whatever you want is fine by me. I've got Honda money. I remember like what, say like 10 years ago, gas prices got crazy expensive. Yeah. Like when like, you know, like right when like Priuses were like first like hitting critical mass too. So I'm sure that helped that. (laughs) Everybody getting that high. Yeah, man, it's interesting. I just think... If the supply chain is the problem, then you got to meet it at the source, right? So if you're importing all your flour and flour gets expensive, you need to start farming flour. So I think we just need to be taking taking uh, better use of our trees domestically or taking advantage of our resources domestically. Hopefully that's able to compete with the expensive imported options and everything can level out. But it's been crazy to see. And I definitely want prices to come back down, man. Because yeah. $8 two-by-fours are not fun. $8 two-by-fours. It's, it's going to push it's crazy, you into using right? walnut. I mean, I'm over here making the food analogy. I'm still in your thing, Ben. Here but, you, you know, if it. It, well, if you have ingredients for a house, a lumber, lumber is like your flour or your sugar. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And everything's going to be more expensive because it's the foundational unit yeah. that everything gets built out of. And so I haven't it's almost like an prices. inevitable kind of thing. You Do what? I haven't checked concrete prices lately. I don't really have a reference, no. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a look next time and report back. There cool. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, where were we? Well, we got we were talking about two-by-fours. Oh, sofas. yeah, my sofa. <laughs> and then you my were, sofa. And then you were talking about, well, I don't know if you want to talk about the sofa or the air conditioning. No, I was going to actually plug Simple Cushions. Thanks, everybody, for support on the launch. If you, anybody's interested in learning more about Simple Cushions, they're what we used on the sofas that Ben and I made. Simple Cushion these wait simple cushion company just google it i think it's simplecushioncompany.com we got a few different options to choose from and thank you in advance but yeah i've been installing a mini split ac unit and i got a big i got to give a big shout out to johnny brooke from crafted workshop 2 days before i started installing mine he released a video mm. tutorial doing the exact same unit also with two receivers just like mine what a guy so the company that we both worked with is called Mr. Cool. I've seen them work with April Wilkerson, a few other people in this space. And what I did is I reached out to a couple of friends, Jeremy and Josh, who are full-time professional HVAC service people. Josh owns the company and, and Jeremy works for him. And they do mostly commercial kind of installs and units and maintenance and things like that. But he reached out to me on DMs. And it was just perfect timing because he was saying, if you ever need some help on the house, let me know. That same time was whenever I was getting everything figured out on what I would be installing for the AC unit. So they both came out, gave me a hand. And the interesting thing about it is, well, obviously it made the whole install go more smoothly because for them, it was what they do every day instead of something new. 
but they brought all of their testing equipment out. They popped off all of the covers to the condenser. They hooked up. I think it's called like a yellow jacket, uh, which is their like refrigerant line tester to cat to test the temperature and the pressure coming off of the coils. And they had the, you know, the, the thermometer you guns. If you're just DIYing it, right? You don't need to do any of this if you're DIYing. That's the whole point of this system. But having them out here and having them test it was interesting because they were being really critical and they were genuinely impressed with how, how well it did. So all that to say, shout out Mr. Cool. That video will be coming out pretty soon. The one thing that's interesting about this unit is typically whenever people install a home AC unit is they have to bring a vacuum and refrigerant so that they can charge your system right. before it runs. You don't want to just suck on that hose and then put it in the antifreeze bucket. Sure. No, that, yeah, you don't want to siphon it in. Right. Okay. And the way that Mr. Cool gets around this is the refrigerant lines, the thing that connects the condenser outside to the fan coils on the inside, which blow out the cold air. Those lines are a set determined length. You can get them in like eight foot, 12 foot or 16 foot increments where traditionally it's a, it's copper pipe. So the person would kind of just run however much it needs to be cut it to length, and then braze all of the fittings on with a torch and with solder. Mr. Cool makes it to where it's a set length, but they do all this brazing and soldering for you, so you don't need that set of tools. But the lines are for a set length, which means you have like a little bit of slack. You got like three or four feet, hopefully extra, that you need to kind of coil up like a hose. And plant a shrubbery in front of them. Tuck away. Well, I built a nice little surround for it. It's nice modern square. Mm. It's pretty fun. That was what I got done building today. But it was a really interesting line. And it's and rather than charging the condenser, the actual compressor of the unit, they actually have the lines pre-charged with the refrigerant. So they ship you like a high pressure hose, basically, with all of the the cooling, the like whatever you put, whatever you call refrigerant, it's in there instead of the condenser. But anyways, it's a cool unit. It went together surprisingly easy. And that content is coming out hopefully this week. Hopefully by the time you hear this podcast. Yeah. What about you guys? What are you working on? What are you so building? You really what content has like come out? DIY friendly AC install. Absolutely. So my review is this. The unit couldn't be more straightforward. All of the electrical components for wiring up the receivers to the, to the condenser and whatnot, it couldn't be easier. It's labeled. It's pushed to connect and screw it down. The connectors... You connect like four connectors on each receiver. Everything is labeled. The one thing that was a little bit difficult or that I wouldn't have felt super comfortable doing is pulling a 220 volt line off of my breaker panel and then putting that little uh, like toggle switch basically to control it. Does that go inside or outside? It's all outside. So the breaker unit or the box, which is in the out, it's on the side of my house outside where the knockout through one of the punches on the bottom of the box and then come through the stucco of the house. Then we put a little junction box over that hole in the stucco so it was nice and clean. From there, I was able to run conduit along the exterior of the house for about eight feet, 12 feet, to get it to where that plug for the AC unit is. Interesting. Yeah, no, I'm intrigued by it because, I mean, it, it, it seems like mini splits, which is it's a mini split ductless system, Yep. They have huge advantages over window units, which is just like, you know, a microwave sitting on your windowsill. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look good. But most mini splits are not DIY friendly because of the charging thing. So this does seem like 
it seems like it'd be a really good application where you have some flexibility. If you had a really tight window space-wise where you could only install it in this one place here and here, then and you need it to be a real clean finish, might make sense to pay a little more. But, I mean, are you going to think you're going to use one for your workshop? I'm considering it. I'm just playing out this summer and right. seeing how it goes because I have one of the portable kind of floor model ACs that I had in the house last summer. If I need to throw that into the workshop this summer, I can and then get an AC proper for next year. When I, w- when I was watching you do it on Instagram, that's what I was thinking. It's like, oh, if I do like a container workshop or like another oh, yeah. outbuilding, this is the, the, the system I would go for. Cool. Yeah. And it really couldn't be easier. You mount a bracket onto the wall and it's just basically like a fringe cleat the way that the, the units attach to the bracket. Mm-hmm. And then you have to drill one hole with a hole saw through your physical wall from inside to outside. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you don't hit a stud, which is easy to do with a stud finder. And you're, and for exterior walls, it's really easy because you just have the drywall, the insulation, and then whatever your cladding is. For me, it was stucco. And all of those materials are really easy to drill through. So it's not like uh, it's not something that you would really need to feel uncomfortable with. And if electrical is a little scary, I mean, it takes a real electrician about an hour and a half to pull a plug off of a breaker. So you're just paying whatever his minimum charge is. It's not anything compared to a full AC install. Gotcha. Gotcha. Chris, what have you been up to? Well, first off, Mike just gave me an epiphany and that is that all stud finders when used for what he was doing can become unstud finders. I never really thought about that, but yeah, if you're looking between, (laughs) then it's an unstud finder. I want to find not the stud. Or would it be a stud unfinder? I don't know. Yeah. One of those. But as for what I'm doing, I'm like now, I don't remember where I was. I think I was like early-ish in the stages of building the coffee table last time we talked. Now I'm that's done. And we're in the making plans phase of it, which is always fun. I wrote, dude. Okay. So, (laughs) So I write... Like for all the chapters and everything, I write it all out before I record it. And so I just get like a Google doc going single spaced. Dude, it was like 30 pages of writing. I was like, what? What? I used to take, yes, I used to take classes when like, if you told me in the beginning (laughs) of the semester, we had to write a 20 page paper. I'd be like, oh, I'm dropping out of college. When I hear that, that's what (laughs) I would think. I'm writing freaking 30 page papers every time I do one of these sets of plans. It's insane. Wow. And then you have to record it too. Like that's just the beginning. And it's just the script for then a whole thing that I have to edit a video to, which is the longest part. But anyway, I want to know what the word count on that is. Um, You know, I'll, I'll report actually after I get done talking, I'll pull it up and I will do a word count. (laughs) Um, We'll come back to that. Yeah. While you guys, I'll, I'll update towards the end of the podcast. So, but anyway, I'm in the editing phase of that. I also in that interim put out the part one and part two of the SketchUp videos the, I, I, it's always, okay. So this is kind of a weird thing. Like, I think it's going to be a long-term good thing to have made. And like already the qualitative feedback that I'm getting is very positive. Like, you know, people are saying that it's really helped them. Like they've tried other things that didn't work and they're happy with it. But I think it's like, you know, I'm hoping it, that qualitative information somehow then gets synthesized and it becomes the like, Oh, you like woodworking and SketchUp? Here's the video for you. And so like, I knew it was going to launch and not do well compared to a normal video, but you, you have that long-term hope for it. So it's kind of like a weird feeling of like putting out a video that you know is not going to do well out of the gate. 
Yeah. I've not like, you know, I've had plenty of videos not do well out of the gate, but I at least thought that they were gonna when I was putting them out. Like, have you guys ever had a video that you've been putting out being like, this is not gonna do well for one reason or another? Yeah, oh, I remember yeah, one time. time I remember one time I had a brand deal for 3M where they had me oh, assemble yeah, a scooter. scooter. Yeah. We've talked about this on the yes, podcast. The, the That's why I'm bringing scooter. that one up. Yeah, that one was like, hey, if they're giving me this check for what they want me to do, I guess I will. But <laughs> my hands are yeah, tied. I knew that one. I knew that well, one this wasn't. Was, this uh, was completely of my own volition. I chose right. to do this and knew that that was going to happen. I mean, like, obviously, it's a niche within a niche. So the audience is going to be small right out the gate, no matter what. But I hope it's like one of those things that through search and discoverability will become a good piece of content. I think it will. And I've got some encouraging stats to support that. Well, I didn't put the SketchUp videos that I made on my main channel for that reason. I was like, these are not going to do well. So I put them on second channel and both of them that I have where it's just kind of me sitting down doing my best to explain both of them now have a quarter million yeah. on a channel with no audience. Right. So, it's so just I mean, time. not crazy numbers, but still yeah, I mean, consistent. Yeah. I'd be happy with that if, you know, in a year and a half from exactly now, that's what exciting. it has. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think it is like useful though. So if I can help 250,000 people to get better, I'll be like, oh, that's pretty freaking good. I'll, I'll be happy with that. So yeah, that, those are the only things I've been working on since then. I've got a couple other like design. So actually I was looking back at like the content that I've put out this year and, you know, like between doing the built-ins and the living room renovation. And now like I've been working on this piece of furniture and we did like some kind of like, you know, the edge detail video, the domino video. It's been a long, I've put out very little like proper pieces of furniture this year. So Classic four eyes content. Yeah, yeah. So I have like a lot of those that I've been working on designs for. So I think there's going to be a lot more of that coming in the coming months. So I'm excited to do that. To do that, it's kind of that like ebb and flow where like you know it was fun to do the the living room stuff and like I definitely want to do other home renovation type stuff, but I also really want to do some furniture since that's kind of the bread and butter. Back to classic four eyes classic. furniture builds. Hell yeah. I'm with you, man. I'm doing some classic modern builds right now with the two by fours. Mm. The bed is my next project, similar to the all two by four sofa. So I relate. I relate. It's cool. Word. Ben. Yeah, I've been I've been playing with the bamboo plywood. Oh, yeah. And it's Cali bamboo, right? Is that what that yeah, brand is? Bamboo plywood's bamboo plywood. I've been getting it from Cali bamboo. They've been great to work with. I also got some really nice decking and flooring from them for some upcoming uh, home building projects. The bamboo is interesting. It's it's interesting right now because because of the potential. Like I've been using bamboo since like 2005 for architecture projects, but it just never quite caught on. And then it kind of became really trendy too much in certain places and... But I'm looking into right now, I'm talking to some manufacturers and see if they can actually make it as dimensional lumber. So, you know, for the sofa that I made, I I doubled it up to make stretchers that were one and a half inches thick. And it was just so straight and true that it made it really easy to just notch stuff out with the jigsaw. Normally, I don't like notching stuff out like a jigsaw. I'd want to, you know, come up with a, a more precise way to do it. But since my base cuts on the the table saw and with the circular saw were so straight and the edges lined up so clean, I got really clean marks and then I could just do these little notch outs with with that. So I kind of am in the talks with 
a few different manufacturers to see, can you just laminate up inch and a half thick slabs? Can you, can you basically make me like a two by 10? And, you know, so you could get a mix of two by tens and, you know, full sheets of plywood and, and stuff like that. From a sustainability standpoint, bamboo grows so fast that it would be a nice alternative and it looks fantastic. I got the carbonized finish with that simple finish. Ooh, I guess what you say, Mike, it's kind of like a like a beach. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got a lot of brown tones to it, like deep brown for what compared to what I was expecting. It, I would guess. It's like beach, but it glows a little bit like mahogany because it's so hard. You know how like mahogany gets a little bit of that shine when you oil it up. So mm. it looks really cool. The French cleat project. Look, if you want an easy project that has a lot of visual value, that thing crushed on Instagram. I think the, the Instagram video is more than the YouTube video. But it was really basic woodworking because it's all just like lap and butt joints, basic cuts. If you have a table saw, piece of cake. If you have a circular saw, still doable, very easy. And, you know, you could you could do it with any sort of plywood. I would I would stay away from like a sanded pine plywood that warps a lot because I think then your pieces won't lie flat to the wall. But it's funny. It's like. I've gotten more requests from like wealthy friends of mine to make a custom version of that for them than just about anything else. So if you're a woodworker that makes and sells things, it would be a strong recommendation because it looks it takes up a lot of wall space without using a lot of materials. So the whole all the shelves, all the rails, everything I made using less than a full sheet of plywood. But it looks like a lot of stuff. But it's all easy and you know, I didn't I didn't even hide the fasteners or anything like that. So if you're like a custom woodworker, I think developing a system like that to kind of sell, I think would make a lot of sense because then you're not restarting from scratch for each custom client. They might take three of the components that you've already designed and just have you design one new component and then you have a new component for your system. And people feel like they're getting a whole wall worth of furniture for a sheet of plywood's worth of material. So I did that. I did the sofa. I'm experimenting more with the CNC. Having a really good time CNCing stuff, really dialing in my illustrator skills. And other than that, looking into a little uh, cryptocurrency stuff, which we'll get to after the break. So what we're working on was brought to you by SawStop. SawStop is the brand of table saw we use. We really appreciate it because it's the safest table saw on the market. Also, just a really good table saw. Chris, you use it pretty much every day you're in the shop? Pretty much. Yep. Mike, have you tried out my SawStop yet? No, I haven't. I keep walking past it every time I come to your place. I'm a little jealous because you've got the extension tables and the big crosscut sled, but I have not used it yet. I've, hear, I've heard good things, obviously. I got the contractor version. I got the little add-ons. Highest recommendation for all of the above. And shout out to SawStop for sponsoring this episode. All right. Word. Chris. Who's ready for an update? Word count. Where are we at? Here we go. Okay. So I looked. I had just said 30. That was not hyperbole. It is 30 word uh pages words 14,138 wow so i don't know if that's a lot to people that's a lot. like but it's 30 pages my most commonly used words are going cut drawer <laughs> side panel just get 
make, <laughs> all, none of that. And panels. So actually, if you count panel and panels as one thing, that would be number one. And actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself a little shout out here. I'm going to plug myself that, for a second. Yes, here we go. I don't do a lot of it. But I do frequently get asked by people if I know of any good woodworking books. And I always say no, because I'm just not a book guy. These videos <laughs> are books. Yeah. If it's 30 pages, that's a, that's a book on woodworking to yeah. me. Yeah, with pictures, it'd be like 60. With moving pictures. You know, now that you have this all written out, you should do a book. <laughs> it would be a very bad book. It'd just be a lot of then like, could, next yeah. go get your panel. Next oh, go. yeah, I kind of would, huh? Yeah, hey, I'm actually, glad that cut was number two on the list. That's a good word for number two. Yeah, it is. That's woodworking. Yeah, it is. It's right in the wheelhouse. Mm, you didn't like actually, vary it up and say slice or saw. Oh, I should have. That's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. Have Rip. your... I well, I probably said rip. Right, cut. that's what I was going to bring and then up. Cross cut, so I'm getting I'm getting double duty. This is not part of the saw stop sponsor thing, but actually, somebody asked me an interesting question the other day that I replied to in a way that was like something that I had never thought about before. So they said, like, what's your opinion on this? I'm debating between this and a Laguna. You know, the price difference is it worth it? Basically, saying like, you know. Is it an insurance policy that's worth it or like our incident or amount of incidents is so low that I shouldn't be worried about it? And I was kind of thinking like, well, by that logic, all insurance on the macro would be a bad idea because the only way that it can exist is if like we pay in more than the incidences would cost. But then at that same time, like, so to think about it as an insurance policy isn't quite accurate because an insurance policy doesn't stop something from happening. It just helps you to pay for that thing once it does happen. Hmm. Yeah. The, it's not just probability. It's probability versus devastation level. Right. So the probability of something can be low, but if the devastation level is high, get some freaking insurance, right? So it's like... It's not that motorcycles, you're so likely to crash. It's just a, that a crash if you get into bad. a normal a fender bender that would be not a big deal in a car. You had a bad day. You might not ever walk straight again. Right. Yeah. And, well, and actually, that was something else that I, I brought up in that email that we were talking about. So the guy's a graphic designer, so he works with his hands. And I was saying, that's another thing to think about is like an incident to everybody is not equal. Like it's going to suck no matter who you are. No doubt. But for somebody like me who makes their living working with their hands, it's more costly yeah. if something happens. So that makes it more important to me. And I would say that being a graphic designer, you're kind of in that same side of things where like maybe not quite as much because it's more digital, but like still would be pretty detrimental to somebody's working, you know, what, what they've been used to up until that point in their life. Sorry to bring such a somber note to the show. Yeah, it's the it's something to consider. Everyone should make their own sort of uh, right. decisions on that. But thinking about probability alone is just one half of the equation. Right. I think so, that was that was the takeaway. Yeah, right. the cool it's thing like, is like you're preventing the error rather than like fixing it after the problem happens. I know that's why you're comparing exactly. it to insurance, Chris, but in a way, insurance is cool, but they still got to sew your finger back on. This way it never really falls off. Right. Kind it's of an airbag yeah. versus accident avoidance. Right. My uncle Nick, he got his hand stuck in a hay baler and does not have the tips of a few of his fingers on his right hand. And 
he is kind of chill with it. It does not affect him whatsoever. He's a rancher. He does his thing. But what you were saying, Chris, I would be much more bummed out about it than he seems to be, you know? And Uncle Nick's got a positive attitude. Yeah. So also, Chris, it would just hurt your gaming. <laughs> oh my God. Forget about it. Your PlayStation <laughs> skills. He, get, he cuts his thumb and can't reach the X button. It's just too far. I, don't stretch. Using, I just have to go back to the Wii or something. Yeah. Well, it's the same way I look at sort of investments. It's, I'm not just looking at what it could be. I'm also looking at the probability of the downside. So I'll invest in something that doesn't have massive growth opportunities. If it has like a very low or if it has a high floor, I'll be okay with a low ceiling, right? Like that's a good stabilizing thing to kind of diversify a portfolio. So you want to look at both probability and then amplitude or magnitude. Nice. Good call. I liked the devastation level. That was my, I liked that stat. Yeah. Multiplied by devastation. Yeah, not an, amplitude, the, devastation level. The devastation. <laughs> the devastation level. Yeah. Devastation is a pretty good word. Not bad. Maximum carnage. All right. What uh what were we gonna talk about? Oh, I had someone ask me if we would talk about NFTs on mm. the podcast. Well, this is a good segment what we were tokens. just talking about. Yeah. Right. So a non-fungible token. It's often associated with both a combination of art and cryptocurrency. So cryptocurrency is a type of currency built on a technology called blockchain. Blockchain basically is a series of transactions that are relatively transparent and trackable. And it's a decentralized way of doing transactions and creating a a trackable ledger for them where everyone can kind of see and contribute to the system. That makes the system more robust. And you can actually assign scarcity to a digital artifact. If I send you a JPEG, Chris... Where I'm actually Please. copying it because I still have it right. and now you have it as well on your phone. With cryptocurrency, it's non-fungible, meaning that you actually can assign an individual characteristic on this ledger that everyone else can see so we can actually see real ownership being transferred. So the minute that happened, people were like, oh, we can create one of one art. So we can assign, we can get a blockchain network, mostly Ethereum. And we can say that this JPEG, even though that JPEG can be copied, is assigned a one-to-one value on this blockchain. And so therefore, we can create a scarce thing, even though the thing that represents the scarce thing, not scarce at all, being the JPEG. So that's led to sort of millions of dollars of sales for things like that. Because people do like the idea of scarcity, both on the blockchain side, which is the financial backing for it, and also on the artifact. I remember one. Do you guys ever collect baseball, football, or basketball cards? Yeah. Pokemon cards. Yeah. Magic the Gathering cards. So I, I collected like sports cards when I was younger. And then you realized that like tops and upper deck actually printed way more than they said they were. And your <laughs> things weren't actually worth that much because it wasn't actually scarcity. But then over time, hopefully other people lose theirs. Right. Moms throw them out. All that kind of stuff. Proves the scarcity. Maybe they go up in value. With blockchain, you can actually be much more assured about the digital scarcity, at least of its assignment. But what you don't know is whether or not somebody's going to just publish a whole bunch of different pieces of art. So something like Supreme creates value, or at least the perception of value. But if they created too many, and then they sell like a $1,000 crowbar or like a $300 brick that just says Supreme on it. What you don't know, if like people kind of trust that brand, so they're willing to pay those prices. But if Supreme started printing 
you know, thousands of bricks and all those things, they would lose trust and they would, you know, drive down their value. So what's interesting at this time is one, I crushed it with Dogecoin. I got really high, bought a bunch of Dogecoin. I got it at like less than one cent. I got some more around one cent and then sold some around like eight cents and then sold some more around 20 cents. And now I think it's like up to like 30 or 40. And I'm just holding for Dogecoin superstardom. I'm waiting for it to get a thousand dollars. So people have seen a lot of these things. And so a lot of people in particularly in the clubhouse rooms and stuff I've been on that are creatives, not so much physical makers, but like digital artists, graphic designers have all been trying to get into NFTs because they've seen some big names, some big numbers. It's a little bit of a pump and dump scam at the same time, but it's also a legit thing. So unlike real art, right? Like, you know, what makes a Jackson Pollock painting valuable, right? It's the brand, the same, something that looks almost identical, created by a different artist without a different story isn't worth you know, right. hundreds of millions of dollars the way a real authentic Jackson Pollock is. So authenticity is more important than the skill that was created of the art itself. Brand and story are really essential. Combined with scarcity, that's what creates a ton of value. So there are some people that have done it well. The mixing or the additional twists to NFTs at this moment are there's a whole bunch of people that bought Bitcoin at like $10 and now it's $60,000 or $55,000. So there's a lot of people that made hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in this. They have a lot of the currency. So they want to add even more value. So if they can create, if you have if you have $100 million in Ethereum, which is like the second most popular cryptocurrency, it makes sense for you to take 10% of that and spend it on art that's backed by Ethereum. Because then people are going to see headlines being like, wow, these artists just sold for $60 million worth of Ethereum. That makes people go and buy Ethereum because they see it as being this leading thing. So with that one sale, you actually, you covered, you increased your 90% of your Ethereum left by more than 10%. Plus you got this piece of art where even if you sell at a loss, you still come out ahead. So obviously none of this is sustainable, but it doesn't mean the value goes to zero. And these things will continue to persist. So it's something that's worth considering and and educating yourself on. It's not something, obviously, and we don't give any investment advice whatsoever. We only give betting advice. And that's always (laughs) rock solid from your boy, Modern Builds. Oh, for one. But these, these technological systems are here to stay. And they're worth becoming reasonably literate on. Yeah. And uh, let us know if you got any sort of weird random tech topics that you want us to poorly explain in the future (laughs) but with that what have you guys been watching Ooh, who wants to go first you guys i can go first real quick i got something that's fresh have you guys seen on netflix f1 drive to survive i heard it's really good i've heard good things i i've heard i had heard it was good too and i was like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna commit to this thing i'm gonna go back to three seasons there's three seasons out. So I'm going to go back to the first one, which was like happening real time in 2018 season, I think. So I'm only about five episodes into it, but so far it's really good. Like it's like one of those shows where I almost want to get Dolores to watch it. And like, I would be willing to rewatch the first five episodes with somebody to get them (laughs) caught up to watch it with like, and so I always feel like if you're willing to do that with a show, like that's pretty good. Yeah. She like, I'm not super into F1. Like I used to follow it very, a tiny, tiny bit 
a long time ago. So like, it's been a long time since I've paid any attention at all, but I do like racing video games and that kind of stuff. So like, I'm familiar with a lot of the tracks and that kind of stuff. So like, I like seeing that kind of stuff in real life, but it's like, you know, there's a lot, it's almost like a soap opera that then has like racing as the backdrop where it's all taking place. So yeah, it's very good. Like even if, if you're at all into cars or car video games or any of that stuff, like it's a no brainer watch, but even if not, even if you're not, I think it's still worth watching. Like it's, it's pretty good. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. I've heard this. I was listening to Tom Segura on Joe Rogan today and they were, mm-hmm. and uh, Tom Segura was really hyping that show up. Oh, nice. So that's two solid recommendations in like four hours time. Me and Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy buns. <laughs> All right. What do you guys got? Ben, let's hear it. I watched a really good movie. Just a straight up solid kind of crime drama called The Informer. It's on Amazon. It's, you know, just a, it's just a really good movie. Interesting plot, some cool twists, pretty realistic, not too crazy. You know, no jumping off of skyscrapers and no Fast and the Furious stuff. Mm. <laughs> jumping from building to building in a car. But yeah, it's just like a good sort of low stakes <laughs> crime drama, The Informer. You guys remember the song Informer by Snow? Inform- yep. <laughs> Mike, do you know that song? Uh, no, sing it to me, All man. Right, Mike, that's the thing is I couldn't. Yeah. If, you, if you listen to it, listen to it tomorrow and you'll understand why I wouldn't be able to. It's like if you posted that now, you'd be like, I'm going to tell my kids this was Chet Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, all right, Mike, what do you got? Okay, so I am going to shout out a YouTube tutorial. First, I have to find it. Sketch up. Yeah, I'm digging because it was in my history. It's, it's just then in tutorials in general on I've got YouTube. This. I'm getting really close to finding the right one. Ha, got it. Okay, you ready? Yep. Okay, edit point in. And Mike, what's your obsession this week? <laughs> Mike, what's your obsession point this week? <laughs> Sorry, that one got me laughing. Okay, here we go. All right, Mike, how about you? Mike, what's what are you obsessed with? This week, I'm going to shout out a maker on YouTube in a scene that Mm. probably a lot of us aren't super familiar with. Channel is AJ Makes, like the letters AJ, like a name would be. She shows you how to make rugs. You know those Mm. really cool tufting guns that people kind of have been really making popular on social media lately, where people will set up this big frame They'll basically like hang a rug vertically or at least the embroidery kind of screen. And then it's this tufting gun that basically lets you freehand make rugs. Does that make sense? Yeah. I have never seen it, I but saw, it sounds uh, good. Unnecessary Inventions was playing with one of them. Boom. Yes. And shout out Unnecessary Inventions. He's yeah, the that man. that guy's awesome. Yeah. Well, th- so this video is doing that process as well. I, I didn't know that he had one, but it's just how to make a... It's Ultimate Tufting Supplies Guide, what it costs for essential and nice-to-have items. So if you're interested in making rugs or seeing the process, it really is so cool. So she goes through making one where it's a custom shape. It's got all kinds of different colors. It's got this neat border with a sky background with like actual clouds. It's like a drawing. And if you want to see that video, it's called Make a Rug With Me, My Process, Tufting an Area Rug. It's got 300,000 views. It's a couple months old. Her channel is sort of growing now. I think she's got twenty-five or 50,000 subscribers. So if we can send some people her way, 
go give her a sub. And I think a lot of people will see this process and also kind of be inspired or at least intrigued by it. Because I had no idea you could just freehand make rugs. That's so cool. I designed a rug. Yeah, I remember you auctioned it off or something like that, right? Yeah, 10 grand. Oh, yeah. I was about to say for a crazy amount. sold for a lot. Was it for donation? Yeah, it was for a charity. Nice. And what was the rug? It was all white with a mustache icon on it. And the mustache icon was black and it was like longer fur. It was like an emoji in real life. Yeah. It looked it looked kind of cool though. That's pretty neat. No, no, no. I I remember the story now. Yeah. Well, what did you use to make that? Did you cut rug and then have oh, yarn? Oh, had me design it. And then so, they like, made I it. Won this, I won this. Like it was like a five under forty kind of design award by a, a design magazine. Yeah. And every year they kind of have the winners of you know design something for that gets auctioned off, and they had a rug sponsor, so we each designed like a four foot by eight foot. No, it's like a five by seven rug, something like that. And everyone did these like crazy, you know, not crazy, but they did these like really tasteful patterns. And I was like really busy. I was like, I'm just going to do all white with a black mustache. Got it. (laughs) And mine sold for like way more than anybody else's. And those were all like, they were really thinking about it. And I literally like, (laughs) like (laughs) drew a mustache emoji then like mirrored it, live traced it in Illustrator, sent them the SVG file. They're like, that's it? And I'm like, that's it? That's, that's it. what I want. So boom. Boom. Did it have boom. some whiskers coming out of the end, like some long yard? some whiskers. Good, yeah. good, good. All right. Well, if anybody's interested, the channel is AJ Makes. That's the one I just shouted out. So check her out. If anybody boom. has some topic suggestions, whether it's pop culture or maker related, let us know. We're trying to give some hot takes these days. If you got ideas, you can holler at me, at Modern Builds on Instagram. You can holler at Ben, at Benjamin Ueda, U-I-E-D-A. And Chris is at Four Eyes Furniture. We appreciate the support as always, and we'll see you next time on the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye.